0: This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Hmm. Cray sweeps exascale podium.
1: El Capitan to take on nuclear stockpile.
0: It's This Week in HPC. Hi, F1. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader. Tiffany, This Week in HPC. Big exascale news is the third U.S. exascale system got announced in a roughly $600 million deal for Lawrence Livermore National Labs awarding the El Capitan supercomputer to Cray. That makes Cray the provider of all three planned U.S. exascale supercomputers.
1: Yeah, we're talking about the El Capitan system. This is the next coral system that we've been waiting to hear about. It's it's going to be fielded by Livermore Lab, um, Lawrence Livermore National Lab, to uh, en- enable the na- National Nuclear Security Administration to continue its its mission of maintaining the nuclear stockpile for the United States. So this is uh, the system. It was announced it's going to have a it's planned peak speed of more than 1.5 exaflops, which should put it safely into ex- exascale territory, um, whether that's by the LIMPAC benchmark or another sustained application metric. Like, uh, like you said, it's, it's another $600 million contract, similar to the last big system announcement, which was Frontier at Oak Ridge and uh deployment is scheduled for late 2022 with full production targeted the the following year so that would be late 2023
0: right so this is about a year behind that frontier system that Cray is also involved in and also behind uh, Frontier and Aurora are, are both in the same time frame, the Aurora supercomputer, which Cray is also the system provider for, although the prime on that one is Intel, that Aurora supercomputer going to Argonne National Labs. That's technically a Coral One system, and we'll revisit that at the end of the year. Now, they announced that this is roughly a $600 million procurement. I was able to ask on the analyst call about the cost breakdown of that system, and some of the expense is NRE, or non-recurring engineering expense related to the development of that Cray Shasta platform at scale. And it's actually shared with the Frontier Procurement out of the two separate roughly $600 million deals. There's a shared $130 million of overall NRE expense, which really makes, from a product perspective, El Capitan worth about $520 million. And then some of that is software, of course, and and not just the hardware. Now, this is going to be a very interesting system going into NNSA, and, and I think out of all of the different announcements that we've had for the Exascale supercomputers, this is the one that where they've had the most to say in advance with regard to the applications and what they're looking forward to running on these systems.
1: Right, right. So um, just just before we get into that, just mention that um, you know, like uh, Frontier at Oak Ridge and and Aurora at Argonne, this will be based on the Cray Shasta architecture. So. Um, it 's going to feature capabilities for you know, both traditional HPC modeling simulation as well as artificial intelligence and the NNSA is going to need all of those capabilities to um, you know put into supporting uh, the the work that it needs to do for its, for the nuclear deterrent for the nuclear stock stockpile. You know, the, the briefing that I was at with, with Cray and Livermore ahead of this announcement um, really brought home the problem of the aging nuclear stockpile that 's a serious issue. Uh, and that they absolutely need this exascale computing power to be running 3D simulations, um, not 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 just two D to um meet the demands of the NNSA's life extension program. So this is a program aimed at extending the lifetime of certain stockpile elements, as well as uh, addressing, and you know, in, in tandem with that, you know, addressing these nuclear weapon aging issues. And like I said, this this was a point that was brought home um by Lawrence Livermore director Bill Goldstein who said, and, uh, and I'm quoting here, he said, The lack of 3D has introduced inaccuracies and uncertainties into our work that we can no longer sustain, that we can no longer be satisfied with. Uh, we'd like to say that while the stockpile was was designed in two dimensions, it's actually aging in in three. And then from uh Rob Neely, who is a computing program coordinator at Livermore. And also a Nexus Scale Computing Project software lead, he said. Uh, he he told me that their current systems are are really swamped and overutilized, and that El Capitan can't arrive quickly enough.
0: Yeah, Bill made a, Bill Goldstein, the director of Lawrence Livermore National Labs, made a similar comment on the analyst call, talking about how 3D modeling, which for now is rare uh, that they're able to do that at that computing level. Right. The 3D modeling will become routine and that we should think of that as the killer app for this system in terms of the maintenance, the ongoing maintenance of the aging U.S. nuclear stockpile. But you made an excellent point, Tiffany, with regard to Cray Shasta and the use of the Slingshot Interconnect, but in particular that Shasta software. Cray made a big point in this announcement about the Shasta software stack equally well addressing the uh, the traditional modeling and simulation, the analytics, the artificial intelligence, very fluidly as part of this environment, and that this is something that transcends U.S. National Labs and Exascale Computing, that they're looking forward to offering Cray Shasta systems with Slingshot in a much wider range of high-performance enterprise computing applications that also tend to rely on a combination of modeling and simulation analytics and AI, and that that's going to be a major focus here.
1: Yeah, so you know, Cray has been talking for a long time now about moving to be able to support these converged workloads, uh, a traditional HPC, and and data and big data analytics and now AI and machine learning and they really think that they've they've been able to bring um, all that support into the Shasta architecture. Uh, the CTO Steve Scott had said that you know the previously it was more of a um, monolithic. Not, very, not a very flexible software stack with the XC series, and now they're moving towards this greater flexibility, um, you know, not on the hardware side, too, which we'll get into, but on the software side, introducing these cloud-like capabilities uh, and for the enterprise as well, as you mentioned.
0: Now, uh, looking at some of the additional specs for this, which we want to do because it's a planned Exascale computer, but some of them get a little fuzzy because one of the things about this announcement was they haven't made any kind of decision yet, a, a final decision anyway, about what the processor architecture is. And, and so far, it seems like it's a wide open game. We could still be considering Intel processors, AMD processors, both of those on the CPU or GPU side. NVIDIA might still be in there with regard to GPUs. I don't know for considering arm at this point presumably power from IBM is now out of the equation since IBM hasn't won any of these but it seems like there's a lot of direction that that can take and that means we're not quite sure yet what the exact power envelope is because they're they're delaying a little bit to to, to make that decision and committing on processor architecture so we don't quite yet know how much power this will consume right
1: yeah so that yeah that was a good walkthrough walk so so first on the uh, the On the uh, the processor side, what we do know, we do know it's going to be CPUs and GPUs in some kind of a fat node configuration, so I'm betting at least a four-to-one, probably at least a four-to-one ratio. Don't know who the chip suppliers are. You just threw out some… Some some more likely and, and less likely possibilities, and you know, just to be clear, we we don't know yet because they haven't made the decision yet. Uh, they talked about this option in, inside the contract that where Cray and um, Livermore working with Cray, can make this late binding decision on the node architecture cho- choice. Um, I think you know I think that's that 's actually really smart we 're in this time right now of all these bloss- blossoming architectures. we really don 't have a lot of visibility into where the landscape 's going to end up in the next you know six to eighteen months, so I think that 's really smart
0: yeah, I agree that really gives them a lot of play if either intel or a m d or Nvidia, if any of them really make any kind of mistakes in their roadmap and you doubt their ability to deliver going forward that 's not to cast any judgment at this point, but it allows the uh the nnsa and livermore to delay that decision and and i think that is smart when you look at uh, the coral program in context
1: yeah yeah but so 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 so, since we don't know the chips there's a lot that we don't know we don't know what node what you know process technology they're going to be built on we don't know how much power they're going to take we don't know the the the, um the physical you know footprint of the system so you know how that relates to power well you know that that leaves a little um Uncertainty is still about exactly what that will be. The RFP sets a maximum power of 40 megawatts. They really, um, they really would like for 30 megawatts to be the preferred target. And in talking to people, it, it did sound like that was going to be reasonable. That was going to be the ballpark that it came in at, about 30 megawatts. Um, it's, of course, it's going to depend on the final node configuration and uh, livermore is uh, currently you know going into uh doing some doing facility facility upgrades uh, will be undertaken to be able to support 85 megawatts to the machine room floor of course all of that like we just said that one all be for all capitan they're going to use that to support a number of systems including sierra and then to provide that additional headroom
0: yeah. So looking at a range of 30 to 40 megawatts, I think that's very believable for a 1.5 uh, exaflop system. Now, I remember the targets for exascale being in the range of 20 to 25 megawatts, but then this is a larger system than just 1.0. You've 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 added 50% to get up to 1.5 exaflop. So perhaps that explains some of the drift up into the 30 to 40 megawatt range.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. 50% for 1.5, right?
0: Now. If we look at some of the other coral systems here, I think this is where it becomes very interesting. First of all, looking at the, the fact that the processor discussion is still open, I think that's another feather really in Cray's cap with regards to Shasta is yeah. that they can lay down this architecture and say, now, sure, you can commit to this and we'll get going on the scalability. And it actually doesn't matter to us, to Cray which processors you eventually put in this, that makes the Cray Shasta and Slingshot look pretty good. But beyond that, it, looking at at how this has played out so far, just to recap the Coral program, the Coral One systems at Oak Ridge and at Lawrence Livermore, those were both IBM plus Nvidia GPU systems, Summit and Sierra, and they've been up and running now. The other Coral One system, Argon, is the Aurora system, which actually got redefined and delayed Uh, substantially. And whether that's really a Coral 1 system or an accelerated Coral 2 system now is kind of up for debate. You make the point uh, quite accurately that it's still Coral 1 funding, but now they're hitting some of the Coral 2 uh, initiatives with regards to Exascale. So which one really got canceled? (laughs) I don't know. But related to that is it now looks like the follow-on Coral 2 funding for Argon this week is also suspended. Is that right?
1: Right. So when the the Coral Two contract um, RFP came out, it said that it was would potentially it would fund two systems and potentially a third system uh, at Argonne, a third system. um, So a system in addition to Aurora uh, for a total of uh, up to one point eight billion. You know, up to one point eight billion dollars. I did receive confirmation this week that that is now um, off off the table. That third system, which means um, that the the Coral one and coral two programs um are complete in terms of uh the announced um primes at any rate you know not complete in terms of delivery and deployment of course but we do know who all five of the the, the coral contracts have been awarded to and you know looking at that you can see that the first it's you've got two IBM one with Intel as prime and then working with Cray and then you have two uh two for Cray so you know look if you look at it like that i know there's been a lot of talk this week about what it means that you know ibm didn't get one of these exascale contracts but if you if you think of coral 1 and coral 2 together as as five potential openings you know the playing field is actually they they spread the love as you might say
0: yeah, I don't think so, though. I'll disagree with you on that one because I think IBM was really in the driver's seat from the Coral Ones where they had two of the three. And then the company that really is in danger of getting shut out with the second round is NVIDIA where they made a great uh, uh, great PR push around Summit and Sierra and how much of that processing power came from NVIDIA. Now, the processing components of El Capitan Aren't uh, named yet, and they certainly still could be NVIDIA GPUs together with really any of the CPUs at play. Could be an Intel CPU, could be an AMD CPU, could even be an ARM CPU, mm-hmm. and still have NVIDIA GPUs. But there's a real danger there for NVIDIA that the Coral, the the, su- the pre-exascale systems went one way, and now the post-exascale systems, all three are are Cray Shasta systems, and then it's a question of what are the processor architectures.
1: Yeah, and you, know, you could you could say the same thing about Mellanox as well, except uh, where NVIDIA still has a chance of, of getting in here, uh, we know that these will all be uh, the, sing- the Slingshot architectures on all three uh, Exascale systems.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it also is very difficult for Mellanox with respect to InfiniBand to get back in once you've already got Slingshot as uh, as the interconnect on all three of these. So that's something that we're going to have to yeah. keep looking for, but I'm not expecting that CPU or GPU announcement to come anytime soon, really. If if I were uh Livermore or the NNSA, I'd be trying to push that part of the decision as late as possible.
1: Yep, late late binding decision is what they said. I I, I agree that they looks looks that's that that's, seems like a smart move, pushing it as late as possible and they, they still have to uh, some time before they you know, would have to start building the system since it's not till late, late 2022.
0: Well, those who like looking into crystal balls with regards to processor architectures will want to come back to us next week on This Week in HPC, because you and I will both be at the Hot Chips Conference, which I always like in terms of getting some good roadmap information, not only for established processor lines, but what are some novel things out on the horizon?
1: Yeah, it looks like it's going to be really interesting and we'll have a lot to talk about.
0: All right. Thanks, Tiffany. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. And thanks to you for listening in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.